Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey friends, thank you guys for being patient. I know last week we didn't put out the ISM episode or the Martinsville preview. That one is on me. I've had a rather busy week (laughs) going on. Um, We've all just been very busy, so we appreciate your patience and you guys tuning in for, we'll just call this episode 10 because everyone likes to get to double digits. So this is technically the 10th episode I've created. Um, you know, maybe I'll put episode nine out eventually. I don't know. I have everything, but, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, on today's episode, we go over Martinsville and talk schedule changes, or at least what we think it's going to be. This episode was recorded on the 25th. So if you haven't realized on the 26th, uh, just about an hour and a half from now, they're going to be releasing the schedule. So it'll already be out by the time you've listened to this. So just enjoy our little conversation about it. I'm sure meltdown city is going on right now but um yeah uh again just want to thank everyone for tuning in uh we're setting up a patreon soon you can donate to the podcast to help us improve get us some better uh gear some uh just you know everything you put in will go directly back into making this podcast better so i'll get a link set up with that on the twitter don't forget to follow us on the twitter at ltln podcast and uh yeah just leave a like subscribe on soundcloud and itunes please uh download rate five stars give us a nice review you know we appreciate anything we appreciate anyone who checks us out so without further ado enjoy another episode of the left turns and loud noises podcast sorry for not having another episode out lately but we are back and ready for texas <laughs> i don't think i'm back from martinsville yet i'm not even back from ism yet well everyone just uh say hi i'm kevin good to see you all again i'm anthony what's going on guys what's up nolan and this past weekend, we had our first short track race of the year, and it was, I'm not going to say not what we expected, but very unique for a short track race. It was surely a lot of uh, beating and banging going around. That was uh, 
that was turning into a demolition derby on people's fenders during the race. It's, it's amazing how those guys can beat up on each other and not spin out. Like there was I, no like crazy cautions or anything like that. I think it was just like flat tires and that's it. Or, yeah, and, yeah, uh, I think that's it. No, just, no. Yeah, front row went into the wall twice. I, other than that, really no <laughs> cautions. Oh, Chastain, I think spun out that's like with oh, fifty okay. to go or something. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, there was no like dumping day. or anything like that. Yeah, it was like clean as far as a Martinsville race usually goes. I mean, you expect more carnage out of it, or at least one semi big accident that takes someone out. But no, it was just yeah. a lot of like, hey, move out of my way, please. Like, Honestly, I'm already here. Yeah, usually, usually the spring race is very tame compared to the fall race. Like we've seen the fall race the last three of the four years has been arguably the best race of the year. And the spring race is always good, but not, you know, nothing to... I had a great time with on. the spring race last year. Like, I thought last year's was fantastic. You had a changing track. You had one guy that was dominant throughout most of the first 250 laps. I'm sure a lot of you would have said Blaney probably was the guy last year. Oh, and yeah. um, you had, then you had Clint Boyer just come alive. And real quick shout-out to Clint Boyer. He had another fantastic day for a guy that had two speeding penalties. Like, yeah, really good, really good job it, but... for Clint. Still came, to, especially when you can recover from two speeding pedals and still get a top ten at a short track. That's super. Yeah, awesome. it's fantastic. So, shouts out Clint Boyer. Yeah. So the race featured only three leaders, if I remember correctly: Keselowski, Elliott, and, and Logano. I think, oh, Logano did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird. So Logano yeah. led the first five laps, and then besides a little fifty lap stint where Chase Elliott was leading. Kozlowski led the entire race, but it wasn't a bad race. There was a battle for the lead basically the entire way through. It was just Kozlowski's car when he was up there was very hard to pass Mm -hmm. just because he's so good there. Let me say this about the race because I did see a couple of things floating around the internet saying like, oh, you could compare this dominant performance to Martin Truex Jr. Well, or when he won at um, the Coke 600. And while that's true with the level of dominance that happened on Sunday, it's not really true in the style of the racing because Chase Elliott for most of that race was pretty much in like earshot range of Keselowski. I mean, and Kyle Busch was able to get to uh, Keselowski a few times. And if Kyle honestly had more of a long run speed, I think he's the guy that we're talking about winning the race. But, um, I mean, it felt like in that Coke 600 that Shurex was just running away with it. It was, it was all him. Oh, yeah. No one could touch him here. Yeah, he was untouchable. Keselowski looked vulnerable in the last. Yeah, exactly. Last 50 laps. He did not have the best car on track, and he wasn't running the best lap times either. Another yeah, race very, where second place is so close yet so far away. I looked up, and it was like 10 to go, and the top five were within, I want to say, three seconds of each other, which... I would That's, say two and a half almost. Yeah, like it was because Blaney was, was also like really charging at one point. Yeah, Blaney had a super fast car the entire race. He just never got to the lead. I mean, yeah, top five is top five. I mean, he's the second best Penske car. He's getting like third, fourth place finishes. Like he's having good days. He's stringing them together. Let's yeah. see if he can uh, keep this going into Texas. Yeah. So Wait, the he's size... second best Penske car. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna highlight that for a second. Yeah, he's the, the second best Penske car of the day. I mean, of the oh, day. Okay, season. okay. I thought you were talking Look, about all season. I understand Logano's like, had a better season, but 
I mean, Logano did not recover well. Like, at least, I wouldn't say at least when Blaney has bad days, he's able to recover because Vegas isn't a good example. But honestly, yeah, no, Blaney was the second best on Sunday. Oh, yes, I agree with that. I thought you meant like overall. (laughs) Just call me out there. Well, uh, I was going to say, but I mean, for the whole Logano situation, that was. that was pretty embarrassing. Uh, to, yeah, you know, 19th such place, a, but he stayed on the lead lap, so. Yeah, you know. but to come back from, you know, the big win that got you into the championship four that essentially, you know, led you to winning the championship and to show up and finish 19th, it's kind of uh, a little bit of a buzzkill. Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened because he, like you said, he was in the fall. He sat on the pole and just fell like a rock and never recovered. I'm surprised more people throughout the race didn't do two tires like the pit stop with i want to say 50 to go after uh chastain's engine everyone took four i was like yeah, why, why wouldn't mean, a guy like boyer who shows speed why wouldn't you take two and get the lead and maybe i think i think that honestly like i understand track position but i think that the tire wear would have been so bad you couldn't grip it enough to keep it along the line and no one was really willing to make that top line work until they absolutely had to. Yeah. It was more of a defensive strategy than what Elliot was doing in the last five laps, trying to find Man. speed up there. So I understand the two tire, like not working. I don't think that's the right strategy. Like if anyone would have called for two tires, I think on like a final pit stop, like you would have seen maybe if he was on the lead lap, Will Byron because of canals, but like just someone who's, you know, a little more willing to try something like that you look down the list of drivers who finished like 12th and below and no one really stands out besides Logano as like someone Johnson. who would risk something like that. Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson's not with Knauss, So Jimmy Johnson's brains in a loop right now. <laughs> oh, well, no, but I was saying, you know, if you look at what you're saying, that the you know, bottom 12 and people who kind of stand out. Yeah. I, I mean, Kyle Larson's down there and so is um, Alex Bowman, who I again thought Bowman could have a top 10 day and he's uh, just, just outside of the reach. Austin Dillon was that top ten. Damn, that's Bowman's forte. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> he's always uh, he's always a solid top fifteen car, but he never isn't. He'll bounce back. He was in the yeah. top ten a lot of that day. I mean, again, it was when Clint Boyer had like a speeding penalty and Denny has a speeding penalty, but still. Oh yeah, but yeah, I know what you're saying. All right. Yeah, Hendrick. Besides, uh, Chase. That was just especially Jimmy Johnson he, at Martinsville. He was the last thing Hendrick. Yeah, Kendrick is officially PU. They're just Kendrick. Kendrick they're, Lamar. They're just nasty. Like I'm not. I'm not sold on anything they're trying to preach. Yeah, it's very interesting, to say the least. Yeah, you'd expect at least a little more out of them, and you're not, especially at tracks where the driver is uh, in more of a you know more control of the race car. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. other tracks are more technical. So I mean, you should have. Well, seen I mean, guys like Chase Bowman. Great. Well, really, yeah, you're like, right. So Chase Elliott. Everyone else underperformed, if anything. And like, yeah. I understand like Hendrick cars haven't been like the top of the class, but Chase was at least showing incredible speed. Like outside of Chase, it's PU. Like it's it's just not a great looking season right now. Like they're behind Massey. They at times are behind fucking um JTG. It feels like like they not like as the standings but where the team should be like hendrick is underperforming that badly yeah. that even like semi-good performances of jtg has us more astounded. yeah so I, I i hate to say it, i don't think they'll recover at texas either because texas is a very uh, aerodynamic heavy me. track boards and toyota's have been dominating 
So I really don't see Hendricks stepping up this weekend either. Mm-hmm. So with the whole Chase Elliott, you know, kind of outperforming all of his teammates, is Hendrick currently holding back Chase Elliott? <laughs> I mean, because I mean, if you look at uh, look at Kevin Harvick and, and Richard Childress racing, for example, yeah, kind of a mediocre team, but Harvick had enough talent to where he took the team to the next level. Is Hendrick on that same boat, or are they just behind in the beginning of the season and will bounce back? Because I'm going to say no, just because <laughs> Hendrick. I mean, Chase, this is his fourth year with him. He's finished yeah. in the top ten in points all three years, competed for mm-hmm. races and championships all three years. Maybe not so much in 2016, but that was his rookie year. But even this year, like... Yeah, but he had opportunities in 2016. Like, he had some flashes. Exactly. Yeah. What was like, it? Michigan, he almost won if he had a good restart. Because Kyle Larson had a terrible restart there, too. Yeah, I don't think he's being held back. He definitely, I think, could be excelling more with another... Team like right now with not that I'm yeah you put Chase Elliott and Stuart Haas that guy's probably Stuart Haas car yeah yeah that guy's probably went five races going with it was more it's all what if Chase Elliott was with Stuart Haas racing what if Chase Elliott was with Joe Gibbs racing what if Kyle Busch raced for Levine Family Racing we're just throwing out ridiculous like what ifs here what if Richard that's true that's true domination is very cyclical in the sport. Once you hit on something, it's hard to forget about, and it's hard for teams no, to exactly. So right now, who I think did, they're just in the downswing. Who did Chase race for in um, trucks? GMS. No, he did there some GMS, but... There it is. There what? it is. He's going to be in the GMS team. When they come up, no, we figured no, it out. It's, <laughs> I'm, not trying to play, I'm not trying to play what-if situations. I mean, I, know, I am, I but, but I'm not. It's just... You, you, I feel like Hendrick used to be such a dominating team and they just haven't found that stride. And just other teams are, are finding it and they're not, which is, it's just, it's weird because I mean, you're talking about probably one of the best funded race teams in the sport. Yeah. Well, they're just not figuring out these packages. You, you have these changing of the guards every like few decades. Like, you know, you had that domination from Roush, like from the mid nineties to around like the late, like two thousands, like Roush was at a level of like Hendrick, you would like say, I mean, not in like is the number of championships, but like you could count on Roush to be top five every weekend and be in contention. Like they had a great cast of drivers and then it just started to fall apart slowly but surely, and people realized it. And now Roush is just like, wow, they had a top 10. That's really, really good. And that's crazy when you think about it. You have teams like Yates back in the day, even the Wood Brothers. The Wood Brothers used to be the powerhouse of NASCAR, one of the three at least. And, you know, not the same. It, it just happens, and it's just crazy to see Hendrick. Because, like, if you go in Charlotte to their shop, like, the amount of money that's put into that, and for them to, like, underperform like this, it's crazy. Like, it really is something that, like, you just haven't, like, seen. Yeah. They're, like, almost on the level of McLaren right now for F1, where there's just so much money, but they're not performing. But at least Hendrick can compete for top tens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, at least Chase Elliott is the bright, like, spot. Like, you know, I mean, McLaren had um, Alonzo. Who know? I mean, if you look at like F1 video games, like you normally see Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, and then for some reason, a 35 year old Fernando Alonso in McLaren <laughs> looking like a homeless person, and you're just like, oh yeah, he's yeah, McLaren's still a thing. But anyway, so 
another topic from the race that me and Nolan were talking about in the race for a little bit was the whole Byron uh, caution uh, flag, Eric Jones non-caution flag. And I think we just need to touch mm-hmm. on this real quick. I mean, I get all sports with judgment calls have, you know, it's, it's a ball and strike call. It's what are a your superstar call on the Byron incident and the Jones incident? It's LeBron James driving and not getting an offensive foul. Like, it's just one of those, you know, some guys get the call, some don't. And that's really shitty for NASCAR to, like, honestly look like in, like, they always have, like, oh, we have these set rules. Like, here's a stupid pit lane violation. Like, you will get penalized even if it's, like, something completely out of your control. But, you know, they make these judgment calls like that. It just, you know, questions where it's at. Yeah, I... We were talking about it a little. I, my thought on the whole situation was both incidents did not warrant a caution, in my opinion. But if anyone did, if, like if I had to pick one to warrant a caution, it would have been the Jones thing, just because he was really high up in, I want to say it was three and four, and super slow. And while Byron, yeah, did come to like I think a stop, it was not in the racing groove at all, and. He wasn't trying to get on pit road or anything. And like he, he basically got loose, saved it, went on, but they called a caution. I was kind of just like, did mm-hmm. I really just see a caution get thrown for that? So that was well, a little frustrating. Caution <laughs> yeah. controversy. So, at well, I'm sure if you guys saw my Twitter, it was rather. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were going off. <laughs> I was so mad because it's just like. Triggered Nolan. It, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a little biased here. I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> but it's just, it was like the, even before the Jones situation happened, people, you know, I know Jeff Gluck called out the, the William Byron caution and it was just like all right so we called a caution on that and then all of a sudden you've got the 20 car shredding its tires and 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 its fenders being blown off and like they're not calling a caution and it's just like and he's like limping around the track and here comes the leaders and still no caution and you're just like well that's kind of frustrating and then what 30 laps later matt tiff's you know he hits the wall which is which is fair i mean if a driver hits the wall you want to make sure they're okay but i mean he kissed it and he kept driving and they called a caution for that and it was just like it's like where are you gonna draw the line? Like you know, if a car spins just a little bit and can save it, even if it stops for a hot second, is that a caution? Or you know, are tires shredding not a caution? Like it's just it's it's hard. Like I really try to give NASCAR the benefit of the doubt on not playing favoritism, but there are just some things that just are glaring when it comes down to you know i i think a little bit of favoritism i mean you could look at the jimmy johnson penalty back in charlotte last year that was a big deal when they pitted like outside the box or something like that oh yeah i remember that you know like there's just been some questionable calls where it's just i'm probably okay that's my tinfoil hat i'm putting my tinfoil hat on i know (laughs) that i'm aware of that but it's just it's, it's it's frustrating when you have somebody who really didn't need to warn a caution. And Eric Jones yeah. thing didn't need to warn a caution e- either. I mean that that they didn't need a caution for that. But it's just like if you're gonna call one, you gotta call the other, or don't call them at all. Mm-hmm. I agree. And yeah, it was frustrating. But, but honestly, by the end of the race, I really didn't see anyone still being upset about it and i think everyone eventually realized you know what ball and strike calls happen in all sports so it's kind of just whatever i know and that's, that's fair that's when you... not really a ball and strike call though it's like a ball and this man got pegged in the face 
<laughs> I mean, to I don't know. Like, it was definitely a topic to be discussed about, but not to the point where I'm gonna, you know, get hung up on it. No, NASCAR is gonna make some wrong calls. I need to realize that too. But when you're when you're in the heat of the moment and you're you know you're watching everything go down, you you tend to tend to get worked up a little bit. Yeah. That's that's the fun. That's 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 what's fun about NASCAR's fan base. You know, we get passionate over the drivers mm-hmm. we that we are, care for. We are a very passionate fan base. I can we definitely are. tell you that. Oof. We screech like pterodactyls. <laughs> we are You're changing like... my sport. <laughs> Stage racing. <laughs> I yeah, like every literally every post that I see on Twitter, the NASCAR posts, at least someone's being like, "Oh, back in my day, you know, my tradition, all that stuff." And I'm like, most of it, I'm like, "Look, just shut up." Lux <laughs> responses on Twitter are fucking dumpster fire now. Like the NASCAR Twitter, it's so like, bad. Or I'm sorry, the NASCAR Facebook fans have all figured out what Twitter is by now. Yeah, I, I, can't, so. even, I can't even read Facebook comments now. They just they're just oh, the most frustrating thing in the world. They're like forty percent irony, like at this point, because they're just trying to piss off the other sixty percent that don't understand sarcasm or irony. Uh, All right. So, besides what we talked about, any uh, final thoughts from the Cup race? I honestly didn't think that Keselowski would have been like the Penske car that would have dominated. I would have said Blaney or Logano before Keselowski. Yeah, I agree. That's ridiculous. Like. You know, Keselowski is solely but surely uh, convincing me that he may or may not be the top Penske guy still. Like, Logano is is very well endowed, like, you know, most recent champion, but Keselowski probably still might be the best driver. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's fair. Penske is oh, such and- a unique team because I feel like on any given week, like, it's. Taking a step back, like Stuart Haas, the number one driver, I think we can all agree, is Harvick. And then there's a yeah. pretty decent gap to Almarola or Boyer, depending on the week. And then Suarez is behind. Yeah. And it's like with Gibbs, Kyle's definitely Kyle the number one. And then Hamlin and Truex kind of, you know, swap well, a little Truex over. hasn't really done anything yet with, um, with he's um, he's second, second twice. twice. Well, I mean, he hasn't won, though. I, mean, I understand good finishes, but if we're just counting a counting stat here, you know. Yeah, yeah but like, but I mean, but, no, I mean, being, but being like, on a brand new team, though, I, I, I'd say that's pretty good because a lot of guys, you know, it kind of takes them a little bit of time to get adjusted. Denny yeah. also won the five hundred. That's where I was getting at with this. Like, Denny has the win and the bigger win. But uh, the, the point being, like, you know, like the number two guy are still two, like a two-time Daytona five hundred champion and like a NASCAR champ, like. <laughs> got a pretty solid situation going on there too. Yeah. Going back to Penske, it's like, yeah, Blaney one week looks like the best card, then the next week it's Logano, next week it's Kozlowski, and overall, I feel like it's right now between Blaney and Logano. Or no, between Kozlowski and Logano, but Blaney is yeah. just right there knocking on the door waiting to Blaney's strike. stringing together a lot of the consistent finishes, like I said. He's had like, three top fives in the last three races at three different types of racetracks. So. Solid. Yeah. I would not be surprised if Bristol is the, like, the day that he gets his win number three. Would I wouldn't be, be surprised if Texas isn't. He's great. I honestly, there. Oh, he is. <laughs> he he might be, but honestly, I'm I'm. I mean, I'll I'll make my picks later on. But I think there's another Penske driver I I have in mind. 
Paul Menard. Yeah, gotcha, guys. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, yeah. So besides all that, yeah. Honestly, overall, Martinsville pretty solid race considering yeah. how many or the lack of lead changes and whatnot. But I yeah. definitely, I had a good time with it. Had a good time. Yeah, watching. I did too. I gave it a seven point six. We didn't. We didn't hear about uh, Martin Truex Jr. not getting his first short track win, though. We didn't hear much of it. Oh. I think we heard it like once or twice. Yeah, I don't think they ever mentioned that once. Uh, to be fair, that's they were not milking that cow. Oh, that's true. They they <laughs> yeah. ride those stories. Holy yeah, like Fox's thing is Kyle's wins while NBC's is adversity and home tracks and <laughs> all that. Basically surrounding like, tourists. Do do some of these guys like do they read the comments? Like does Rick Allen like cringe? No, Rick Allen says, is definitely self aware. He's tweeted uh, out some stuff to wear. Oh oh has he? You know, I yeah, like, like not to get off topic, but a lot of people give Rick Allen hate. But I really, I just, I like him. I don't know why, but I like Rick Allen too. He's yeah. definitely grown on me a lot. Yeah. I don't know if I like him as much as Mike Joy, but Mm-mm. yeah, Mike Joy is a classic. Quality, I, I have to agree with you. I don't care how goofy Mike Joy is. During um, Auto Club practice, they were talking about movies, and at one point they were talking about like what like movie was filmed at Auto Club, like the day of a race. And it was Herbie fully loaded. And Mike Joy says, I have to be fully loaded to see fully loaded. And I almost <laughs> fell on my fucking floor. <laughs> That's awesome. And he uh, also trashed cars too, which made me so happy that he is a man of culture. All right. Well, all right. Yeah. Mike Joy's definitely over Rick Allen after hearing that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but another uh another solid day for our old friend DW mm, quoted a, <laughs> what, did, uh, what did he say boogity 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 let's let's go let's racing you bunch of bunch hot, hot dogs, dogs. He says that every yeah. fucking year now there it's like man, yeah he, uh, your material so- ran dry 5 years ago yeah i, I would have taken so the mic both. away from him right there i'd be like nope that's enough all right can you imagine that if just the producers just walk him off mid-race? <laughs> like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> I always feel like they do when I don't hear from him for three minutes. I'm like, oh, did he finally say something they've had enough of? I saw it's someone just... post on the Reddit where he said some quote about, like, hitting the pace car. And he was like, that's what Dale Senior used to tell to Dale, Dale Jr. And it was literally a quote from Days of Thunder. Ooh. And, like, that's just... I mean, I don't need to He know. was trying to be so sly, no one would figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> like, Google doesn't exist. My yeah, favorite... I mean, we've already beat, beat the bush enough to where our about our thoughts on DW. So I don't oh, really I know, keep but repeating I gotta... it, but yeah. I think we should just have a corner, like just a part of the episode where we just kind of dissect <laughs> DW's nonsense. and just Dedicated five-minute window each episode. Can we please? I can do because, because I just want to make a comment about how it's the last like 15 laps and DW is like, Oh, Chase Elliott, he's going to race him hard in the final 10 laps. It's like DW. Do you no not think shit. that Chase is driving <laughs> yeah, his ass off right now to win? Chase is on a fucking Sunday like, drive for the other 490 laps. Got yeah. him. Like, yeah, you know what? I think 10's the time to go DW. I think that's just that. It's like Talladega, you know, it's like, Oh, all right. I guess it's time to go try and win the fucking race. <laughs> And I'm telling you, it's like every single time he talks about any driver, oh, they're going to get up on that wheel. They're going to race as hard as they can. You know, it's like I get yeah, what he's saying. Though. It's just ridiculous the way he's like going at it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I saw a rumor um, 
Jenna Fryer tweeted out earlier today saying there was apparently this rumor floating around that Harvick was going to replace DW for next year, and she was like, no, Harvick's going to be driving next year. But hopefully that means someone will be replacing DW. <laughs> Just bring back yeah. Larry Mack. It's, it's that AJ easy. AJ Allman. <laughs> Honestly, that wouldn't be that a would horrible be okay. idea. You know, if I know AJ he's with NBC still... now, so I doubt it would happen, but... I oh, he's with NBC? Okay with I thought he was with Fox. I apologize, then. No, nah, McMurray, yeah, McMurray is, though. No, but I want McMurray to make a comeback. <laughs> yeah, I think... I know you're a big fan of him, but I think those days are behind I can't, us. I can't let it go. I, know. I think we I all know. like McMurray as a person a lot. Just because he's a good person. And, like, his driving... You he's likable. He had some good ones, but he's just such a... Such he a was nice my favorite person. character in Talladega Nights. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jay, oh, he bought this at Walmart. I will nice. never forget Real his nasty. Daytona 500 win. Oh, yeah. I was at work. And, you know, for him to, you know, show, like, you know, his raw emotion. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cool, because cool you don't see a lot of guys do that. Yeah. Sorry, I was right, saying it was so at work. Anyways. The cup race at Martinsville, there was also a truck race, and I feel like this is the third time we're saying this this year. Kyle Busch was in the race, and he won. And that's about all about the race. All right. <laughs> Did you guys watch it at all by chance? I watched a lot yes. of 50 laps. I was bamboozled into watching two thirds of the race. But okay. Outside of the whole Kyle Busch, you know, winning, there are some guys that were on a freaking tear. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the front end of Matt Crafton's truck, but dude was running into everything he could i mean i i think i saw him push austin hill i mean he pushed him out of the way he pushed uh he threatened to get brett moffitt and uh, he made <laughs> that very clear that he was going to get him uh johnny Sauter when he was making his way up through the pack he was banging on every single car too yeah i saw i saw Sauter out of the way fluttering. yeah i mean trucks and martins i mean trucks in general Typically put on a good show, but especially at short tracks, it's just oh yeah. Typically when Kyle Busch isn't there, but yeah, yeah. especially I agree. I agree with that. It would have been a great race if he wasn't there. So yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't. I don't need to see Kyle Busch beat up on the lower guys. He's done it 140 (laughs) times. I don't need to see it again. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like I've seen the song and dance already. Yeah, that's about all my thoughts on that race. I don't know about y'all. Should I move my mic away from my face? I apologize. (laughs) You're good. Um. So yeah, I wanted else? to point out. Oh, I want to okay. point out real quick. Uh, shouts out Ty Dillon, thirteenth place finish. Holy crap! What a great. Yeah, pick. no one talked about that. Like, ah, I was I trying to get it. to that, and um, we moved on really quick. Um, but yeah, I wanted to just give a shout out to a couple of guys. Uh, first off, Stuart Haas Racing, four drivers in the top ten. As, like for Daniel Suarez, Daniel was looking incredible out there. That was the first time since Daniel Suarez was in his rookie season in Cup that I said wow about Daniel Suarez in a good way. So good shit for Daniel Suarez. He looked fantastic out there. Um, Ty Dillon finishing 13th, um, and there was one more. Oh, Benedetto, he did finish 20th, but he had a great race. All yeah, he, was, he was racing up, up there the up the, like near the top 10. I mean, he passed Kyle yeah, a couple he, times. He finished on the lead lap. So, Wait. I mean, did he? Yeah, finished 20th uh, on the lead lap. I mean, you know, and also Bubba Wallace was able to salvage a 17th place finish. I swear to God, every time they showed Bubba Wallace on TV, that car looked sideways. Like, he was getting just the shit. Yeah. For him to finish on the lead lap, like, good shit. Ryan Priest in 16th, good for him also. 
both yeah. of them. And he fought back from the uh, lucky dog there too. I think yep. he was. Uh, who was he battling with there for a little bit? Was it? Um, it was Austin Dillon, wasn't it? Yep. No, Dillon got top ten, or he finished eleventh. Oh, it was Jimmy Johnson. Hemrick because Hemrick had been. issues. Hemrick. It was probably Hemrick because Hemrick was around there for most of the race, and he had issues like on like the final hundred to go. Wow. Yeah, because like you look at the bottom half of the, like the lineup or the like results, and you see guys like Jones, Reagan, or I'm not Reagan, sorry, Stenhouse, John, Johnson. I was and, expecting uh, Stenhouse to to do a little better with his. Uh, yeah, me too. With everybody, you know, talking about how aggressive he is, you know, which he is. Oh, he's but, a, hey, did you know that he he used to race dirt? He has a background in dirt racing. I don't know if oh, you know that. I, I don't know. I didn't know that. Almost, wow. Thank yeah. you. I wonder well, who I'm, commented I'm, on that. I don't know, man. It, it yeah, couldn't, lucky, couldn't lucky have been guess. couldn't have been me. <laughs> a completely random statistics so far this season in both races that Brad Kozlowski's won. Stuart Haas Racing has had all four cars in the top ten. Wow! Wow! The more you know. <laughs> so Ford's killing it. Is what you're saying? Ford is indeed killing it with the yes. Mustang. Let's just wow. Let's just yeah, guys, get out. Because I know a lot of people were saying with the Mustang that they were going to fall behind like the Chevrolets did, but they have not missed a beat. It was better. I was worried they would be like, like just like the Camaros last year, but nope, they are even more successful. So good yeah. shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, really uh, not much Toyota really can do when you only have five cars out there, but I mean... Chevy is just really taking a backseat to Ford's dominance so far. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Toyota, I mean, third, fifth, ninth. I mean, when you make up, you know. In a really solid performance by DiBenedetto, I can't stress this enough. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, Eric Jones, if it wasn't for him and Larson bouncing off each other, um, Mm -hmm. you know, he would have been. He was racing in the top 10. He was racing in top 10 earlier. He was actually, like, very aggressive. Like, I was really impressed. Which is weird because Eric Jones sucks at Martinsville. I mean, he is mm-hmm. he is god awful if you look at his stats there. Speaking of sucking at Martinsville, Kyle Larson was running good for his standards at Martinsville for most mm-hmm. of the race. He was up around twelfth, thirteenth, and he ended up with eighteenth finish on the lead lap, which is honestly super impressive for him there. <laughs> so shout out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see who else. Who else? Good, good. I think we pretty much hit everyone, unless you want to give a shout out. Hold on, shout out to Jimmy Johnson, a good solid twenty fourth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Oh, just just gonna beat that horse one more time, just one more time, gentlemen. Jimmy Johnson finished (laughs) twenty fourth. All right. Oh man, do you feel that? Do you feel that feeling that I'm feeling? Yeah. It's something I've been waiting for since two thousand four. Like Jimmy Johnson (laughs) is not a dominant force anymore. It's really. I'm just basking in it right now. I'll miss it eventually, like I, I weirdly do. But I want to see him get a now. I'm enjoying it in his career. I want to see him because I think he's tied with someone right now at 84. He's, he's gotten to the point where I got with Stewart late in his career, where I was just like, oh well, you know. I mean, if Stewart gets a win, that would be pretty neat, I guess. Yeah, same with Gordon. I mean, like, towards really the end of like... everyone's career, especially after they struggle for a little bit, you kind of get a little bit sympathetic. Yeah, I Except really did Mark not Martin? like Stewart. <laughs> Or, yeah, if you're Mark Martin, you're 50 years old and still teaching these young kids a lesson. Well, when you retire five <laughs> times, it kind of loses that effect. <laughs> I, lo- I love Mark Martin. I do, too. So good. Wonderful. All right. Um, okay, did you guys watch um, the IndyCar race, by chance? 
Yeah, I okay. No. So I had it on mute while the cup race was on, and the okay. only time I really listened to it with sound was at the start. And okay. from what I saw, I'm not going to say it was bad because there was always it was fucking wild at some uh, at, at the end. Yeah, there was like, always I didn't a, like, watch the beginning, the lead, but <laughs> um, I found it, and like I saw a bunch of people being like. I saw a bunch of people saying like, oh, well, they're going off the track limits and everything. And like, I would be like, yeah, that's a big issue. But we, or at least NASCAR literally does that at every road course. And it's amazing to see. I think it's just a little weird just because it's a grade. I think it's called a grade A F1 track to where an F1, if you go outside the racing line, it's a penalty. Corner cutting and exceeding track limits. Yeah, but uh, luckily... For indie cars, they don't race under the FIA rules, and they have their own set of rules because they're different. Yeah, it just looks and so weird. I, I think it was it. turn turn nineteen. They were all going wide, and the first time I saw it, I was like, "That's not normal, is it?" <laughs> well, all, there's just a huge difference also in acceleration between the cars. Yeah, like I don't know. But no, I mean, uh, I thought it was. I thought like it, the racing was pretty neat. I'm I'm actually really happy they went to this track. It, it, it was it was a good time. Um, oh, I'm definitely happy they went to it over Phoenix because that's what it replaced, right? Um, actually, I liked Phoenix. I wish that Phoenix would replace Pocono because I fucking hate Pocono. Phoenix was just a train though, and that's the thing with high, super high corners. Yeah, but I'd rather have a train. I'd rather have a train than an, a death trap. I agree. Like, but, if I had to replace any yeah. race, it's Pocono and bring Phoenix back. Or, in a perfect world, we go back to Pike's Peak, but that track's done for. I do like that they have yeah. Iowa on the circuit, because Iowa is very similar to Pike's Peak, only in the size and shape. The track width is shorter. Like, Iowa yeah. is just such a wide track. They can't use the dog leg at ISM Raceway, can they? No, they should not, because honestly. They, they would lose the so much grip. Like, if a car goes through that, loses grip, and just goes head-on into another car, that car is probably going to bounce off of that one and go flying. Yeah, that's kind of why I really so, like... So, let's not do that. <laughs> didn't like ISM with uh, IndyCar just because... Well, then just tell them if you go in down the, on the dog leg, that's a one-lap penalty. Boom, no one's going to do it. But that's the fun part of the track. That's the best part, especially like on the NASCAR research. That. They're five wide. Well, I mean, if we're going to fix the IndyCar season, let's dedicate an episode to that for now. <laughs> All right. For now, let's focus. I mean, on... I, will, I will say I didn't get to watch the first half because I was uh, getting my car fixed earlier. But um, I got home like just in time to see Will Power's car give up, which was very heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. I mean, see, led. Yeah, well, he led every lap up to that point. Every lap up until that point, yeah. Yeah, and then Colton Herta took over. And I was just so impressed. He had a restart, and he absolutely killed it. Like, he looked so fucking dominant. He took, he got out to the lead and just held off Joseph Newgarden, who's no slouch by any, like, <laughs> mean of the imagination. Like, Joseph Newgarden is that guy. And, like, Colton Herto, like, had, like, a third or two-thirds of the time. No, he had, like, 30 seconds of, like, push to pass, and Joseph Newgarden had, like, 120 or something stupid. And Joseph Newgarden didn't make up any time. In fact, if anything, he lost time to Colton Herta, which is ridiculous. Like, yeah. Herta's 18 years old. And we're going to hear about this for a very, very, very long time. 
about like oh how young Colton Herta is and all this shit, but like, dude, impressive. that was impressive. That was really fucking impressive. And just want to point out, first time that eighty-eight has been to victory lane since junior, I believe. Can, speaking of junior, can we talk about the font of that race car? Looks it's, very. I familiar. told you, it's straight up junior. Good for him. Like I told you when I saw it at St. Pete, I was like, "Why is Junior's like number?" And this is did like yeah. did, did Junior buy an IndyCar team? I'm confused. Yeah, it's I am, beautiful. Hey, it works, you know. I like. I it. am 19 year old as of saying this, and I felt a little old watching that race because someone. How do you think me. I feel, man? Yeah, I, I know, know, but like, on. I've never seen a race where someone younger than me won. I've always thought it was going to happen with Todd Gillen or Harrison Burton or one of those young up and comer guys, but they haven't won yet. And mm-hmm. leave it to Colton Herta. <laughs> the first time that someone younger than me won like a major thing, I think it was Rossi at the Indy 500, and I was like, "This man that young." He's he was twenty. He was twenty when the uh, when he won the Indy five hundred. Oh, I thought he was older. I was twenty one. Oh, okay. Yeah. He wasn't he up there, or he he gets screwed with a caution. Uh, he finished in ninth, but he was making crazy ground up at the end. I think. Okay. Him, yeah. Um, who else was making up crazy ground? Someone else. I think it was just him. Um. But yeah, shouts out um, rookie pa- Patricio Award. Like he looked pretty fucking good. Um, Where did he finish? Who? Uh, award. Oh, he finished in eighth. So okay. he had a really solid day, like for yeah. a rookie. So rookies like all around look really good. There was another rookie in the top ten. I think. No, someone else who's a rookie had a really good day, but I guess not. Yeah. Oh, wasn't Rosenquist up there for a while? Rosenquist finished in twenty third. Yeah, I think he had something happen to him. Yeah, he's the one who he got spun uh, after contact with. It was Ferrucci. Ferrucci was having a good run, and then like I think spun out at the end. Okay. Passion on a tough day. It was overall um, like at the end, it was fun. I had a good time. It was fun. Definitely fun watching a guy that young and like every always watching a first time winner is pretty sweet. No matter the series. All right. Um, all right. So, can we get in to the to the juicy stuff now? Yeah, tracks. What? So, yes. Oh, so yeah. I I was gonna let uh, Nolan. I was just gonna edit this. I was gonna let Nolan lead that in because he was the one who brought it up in the chat. Okay. Sweet. All right. So the next topic we're gonna talk about are the changes or the potential changes to. Uh, NASCAR's schedule for 2020. There are some serious rumors that are coming out, and um, guys, I think we're pretty excited about what's uh, what's coming out of them. Well, what do you guys think? What have you guys been uh, hearing? Well, definitely after we talked to Alex about like the potential schedule changes, like I've gotten really excited for this date. I've been I've been waiting for it for the last couple of weeks, and honestly, I have no idea, but. I mean, there's potential like for big date changes. Tracks might lose more than like might lose races. We might see tracks add races. I don't know. Yeah. So by the time that this gets out there, this the schedule may or may not have dropped yet. But right now, it literally feels like Christmas to me. <laughs> the schedule is my favorite thing to think about in terms of NASCAR. Like I. 
like yeah, the, the cars and like the different arrow uh, packages are fun and all, but there's nothing like just the potential. There's so much you can do with the schedule, whether it be new tracks, new dates, and we're gonna see some cool stuff. It sounds like. So I'm I, I'm I'm just I'm super happy right now. I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm cautiously uh, optim- optimistic right now. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna get. Um, realistically thinking, even I know Alex said, you know, expect the unexpected, new tracks, whatnot. But the track agreement doesn't end till after 2021, and I feel like the pessimist in me is saying, which really doesn't shine much, but the pessimist in me is saying that I don't think we're gonna get new any new tracks. But however, I am expecting big date changes. Like some of the stuff that has been rumored. I think we should just go one by one. I'll I'll start off saying the first thing I saw today was Phoenix might be the new, or should I say ISM Raceway, might be the new season finale. What is you all's thoughts on that? So Kevin Harvick's going to be the champion for the next three years. Congratulations on <laughs> three straight championships, Kevin Harvick. I'm very Don't proud forget, of you. Since they reconfigured track, Kyle Busch is not lost a race he's entered you're right congratulations kyle bush on your three straight championships i'm very happy for you, <laughs> you, you know, 200 and 201 wins and three championships <sighs> hypothetically four you know it's the dream that every nascar driver has and i'm just very happy for you and see the, Samantha, the thing about homestead being the finale especially since you know the winner take all formats yeah. came about everyone said every year oh larson's gonna win the championship this year Larson has and <laughs> he has yet to win at home set or even I make think, the final four. I think a better example would have been Custer last year where they crowned him the champion at Phoenix and then he did yeah, I think he finished in fourth out of all the drivers. No, he finished second out of all the drivers. Well, fuck still. Me then, all right. <laughs> but no, he yeah, I mean Tyler Reddick just The point up. is he was yeah. like the guy to beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Now, yeah, like he um I'm here, yeah, you go. You got no one. <laughs> No, I was just I was just gonna uh, make a comment about the the schedule overall because I know you guys were talking about it being Christmas and you know being you know cautious. What's the word do you use, Anthony? Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously Opti- optimistic. Yes, sure. I was gonna say optimistically cautiomistic. <laughs> no, but because uh, I feel like the uh, the schedule's been the same for a long time at least for the past 10 to 15 years we really haven't seen like a like a real big shakeup other than like oh a track moved here to there mm-hmm. now we're talking about potentially new track we've gotten since uh what 2001 is kentucky yeah kentucky came in 2011 kansas, yeah kansas and chicago land were 2001 yeah. So yeah. well, there was a big swing of of racetracks that came in during that um that the that 90s. growth spurt of NASCAR, where yep. you had California. Uh, I don't know if Phoenix was on there, but California, was, okay, Texas, was Kansas, the, the late '80s. But yeah, Kansas, Chicago, Land, Las Vegas, Homestead, uh, New Hampshire could even be thrown in there. I think that was '95. Um, I thought New Hampshire was '91. No, I think Phoenix was 90, 90. Phoenix was 92, but it was built okay. in 89, I think. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. There was another one that was, oh, Texas. Um, mm-hmm. There is one more. That so, I'm like, um, but yeah, you get the yeah. point. Yeah. Um, no, well. Kentucky because, wasn't 
built in 2011. It was already like on the well, schedule. Yeah, no, it was, it was, already was on added the to the NASCAR schedule, schedule because they yeah. they did well with the trucks and the Xfinity. And exactly. That yeah, was, that was a shit show. Uh, the, year that <laughs> they, the 2011 race, where like like half the, the people didn't even they couldn't even find a spot. Like, yeah. Like half the field or half the crowd missed the beginning of the race because it was that bad. So, um, but uh, with the schedule, um, it's kind of interesting to see when you look at NASCAR's growth was when they decided to expand themselves into new markets. And I feel like the reason why NASCAR has been stagnant, one of the reasons why NASCAR has been stagnant is because they've stopped introducing themselves to new markets. And so hopefully with the schedule, um, maybe not for 2020, but for 2021, we'll find ourselves in in new tracks and new markets. You know, to hopefully kind of start that growth back up for NASCAR. Yeah. But the for one, sure. so I want to hear your guys' opinions on this. The one big rumor that I think came out today or yesterday is Pocono running a doubleheader race, doing a Saturday and a Sunday race. What are your guys' thoughts on that? How long are they making these races? I'd imagine 400 miles each. No, there's no what? way they would run 800 No, miles. I can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, that's... 800 miles in a weekend? No, you got to make it a 500-mile weekend. One race is 200 miles, and one race is 300 miles. Okay. In between, they have a dance competition, because that's basically where we're at with this nonsense. The thing about the doubleheader idea, I think it's a lot bigger than people really um are realizing mm-hmm. if they make a double header race and make let's say a race at Pocono only a hundred laps or only eighty laps, you can't really do I mean you could do stages with it, but especially for Cub, do you want like a fifteen or twenty lap stage on a oval track? And that brings a question if they're doing a double header, are they keeping the same race format system and that opens a whole can of worms that we're mm-hmm. not going to get into this episode but the the i think that was the biggest shock of the day that i heard the room like the biggest rumor that i heard about is just because it opens so many doors for a lot of different things in the sport mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily yeah. opposed to it i would i i really don't have an opinion uh, positive or negative on it, just because it's so unique. But I, I almost want to see how it works. But at the same time, I'm a fan of stages, but and I really don't think you could do it with it. So I don't know. It, it'd just be weird. Not weird to see, but different. I just don't see how they could pull it off. It's it's just like NASCAR races are already expensive to do. I just can't imagine how a doubleheader weekend would really be cost effective. Yeah, I mean just from that point of view, like not yeah. even from like a like just from that side. And then like who's coming in both Saturday and Sunday, I guess, to want to do well, that cuz you can't even fill I mean, I'm just saying I don't think it I I just there's so many things that wouldn't work here. Pocono does do a good job with attendance. Like when I was there last year, it was true pretty full so i think they can do it to a degree but were you there for the races not like not the cup races no i only went there for the cup okay. race. So I wasn't there yeah because the cup race usually does pretty decent and um <coughs> I mean, they don't sell out like the glen does but i mean they have fans all over the northeast that are just yeah for anything well i think there's two factors with pocono one 
their crowds do really well, so they can mm-hmm. kind of gauge if there is an interest for a race on Saturday and Sunday. If they try this and people show up for Sunday but they don't show up for Saturday, eh, it's kind of a bust. Uh, reason number two is because Pocono is kind of a lackluster race. So yeah, yep. Pretty much trying to put this double header weekend on a lackluster weekend. If it turns out to be sour, it you're not going to see a large amount of blowback on it. Versus if we were to do a double header at let's say Bristol, right? Because more eyes are going to be on Bristol yeah, than Pocono. I agree. Let's, let's I've got a ridiculous that. idea for you. Double header weekend, Indianapolis. You have it on Saturday and Sunday. Just you know two short versions of the Brickyard 400 and like whatever the finish is on Saturday, you invert it for Sunday. Boom. Mind blown. How about this? How about put front row on the front row? Hashtag that bitch. Double header, double header. We'll do the Indy 500 and then the Coke 600, (laughs) both at Indy. Boom. Oh my God. You (laughs) solved everything that was wrong with NASCAR. You fixed it. (laughs) I will say one Even, thing about the Pocono rumor that I saw a couple of people comment on is they are one of the few tracks, probably them and only Charlotte, where if they wanted to do a doubleheader, one race could be on the oval, but the other race could be on a roval of sorts. Holy shit, that makes way too much sense. Stop it. <laughs> right? But that the only thing I really that doesn't add up with that idea. I mean, I guess the track could work around it is that the Roval would obviously for Pocono go through the infield and Pocono is such a big camping track. So I don't know how much that would affect that. Um, Cause they'd obviously have to block off some areas, but yeah. it'd definitely be unique. I should do what Indy <laughs> does and just put the snake pit at, at Pocono, have a music festival going on while they race <laughs> at Pocono. That would also help it. I don't know how, but I don't care. Do it. That would Kevin- be, I think you're on to something. I really think you're on to something. Uh, I'm not going to claim it as my idea. I agree with the idea. But but it would not not make sense in the NASCAR market to put two races back-to-back on the same track Mm -hmm. when there's the opportunity for another configuration to happen at the racetrack. Give the two different races at the same track but two different configurations i think that's the way that you can sell it to fans exactly i was actually going to jokingly say with the indie joke that i just made that actually like they do the road course first and then the (laughs) brickyard but i'm glad that kevin came up with the idea also yeah no like it's a real thing it could no i would be about that that would be very interesting you take but you do take into account that both, like, you can't have the same car for both races because NASCAR, um, the teams have different cars for road courses. Yeah. They're planning on beating the shit out of it um, and not using it again. I mean, you can imagine how poor the Springs looked after, uh, uh, what is it, um, the Roval. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. But, um, but yeah, no, that would be a lot of fun if, like, they, if NASCAR could get around the rule of bringing two cars to a, a track. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or just tell the guys, good luck fix it make it make it work the best that that would be so much fun if like i mean being realistic here the car would just like just just the springs would disintegrate yeah all right so i want to get back to the original question because i don't think it got answered what are your thoughts on a phoenix finale rather oh yeah that's right no 
There's my answer. No. I I'm gonna overall I'm gonna say no. But the only way that oh. I would agree with Phoenix being the finale race is if they find a way to rotate the races amongst a group. Or make the know. last round three races. Oh, or I am so on board with that, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I love I love the playoff format. I really, really do. It's very good. It's very Until good. Until you get it, to the last, last race, and I race. think it's a joke. Yep. Let the let the let the hell let the, let the final eight guys race it out for three races. That dude, fuck yes, make it, dude. You know what was the most exciting season of NASCAR that I've ever watched live? I don't give a fuck. Like it was 2004 because going into Homestead, six guys had an opportunity to win the championship. I know two of them were like 30 something points out or whatever, like or the equivalent 30 points yeah. out, but it was still a possibility, which made it the most exciting race I've ever been to in my life. Like that was wonderful. And so, I would so love to see just there's a chance. <laughs> what I'm telling you is NASCAR is going to hear this and be like, all right, we hear what you're saying. The season finale race will no longer have four guys. It'll have eight. You're welcome. Oh, my God. <laughs> love it. Game love seven, it. fourth quarter, your backup quarterback's in the game. <laughs> so because well, you shooting can load for up, three. Load up everybody. You don't know what sports is. This final eight guys load up. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are already on this, but load up their playoff points. Give some guys the advantage going in. Yes, make that, make yes. that full season yes. worth it. The the know. last three races would have a good system with that, but yeah. here we are. Just it's all hypotheticals. If they did have it as a winner take all, I don't know if I'd want ISM. Like I don't. They're like Homestead is the most equal out of all the intermediate tracks because it's just it's not a one there's so many different grooves you can use on that track and yeah. it's constantly changing especially with um the the change from day to night so i mean i think homestead's a fine track i if the racing at vegas was better i think logistically vegas would be the best spot to have the championship at because it's vegas like that is yeah. a more prestigious race as purse goes i believe and honest to God, like, who doesn't want to win a championship and go straight out to the fucking strip, right? Like, <laughs> what are you doing in Homestead? You going to go drive 30 miles to Miami Beach? Like, no. I mean, probably my, they do, but I mean, I'm just saying. All right. So my thoughts on ISM Raceway being the finale, I think it would be a good idea because the playoff races at Phoenix the last three years have been unbelievable yes some of the best races fun. i've seen all season however comma the <laughs> i don't think the finale track should have two races a year i think the coolest part about homestead in addition to it's such a unique track kind of like i mean like phoenix is too but the coolest part is is we only go there once a year so you can't really rely on a past setup from the year Mm-hmm. And just bank on that. Like you go into the weekend with the weekend relatively fresh, um, in terms of I know, fuck yeah, you can look back on past years and whatnot. But right now, obviously, Phoenix has two races. So if they were to give up their spring race in exchange for the finale, I would be all for that. And I do like the idea of rotating the finale between a couple tracks. I solved the problem. You just make Phoenix a road course, and then they wouldn't see it earlier in the season. Hmm. Boom. <laughs> yeah. 
We can solve all our problems by turning every single track on the circuit into a road course. They just go up to Rattlesnake Hill, do like a loopy loop on there, and then come Dude, back. Dude, I the old configuration for Phoenix was wacky. I loved it. It was like New Hampshire, except yeah, like a dog was, leg, but you couldn't really was, pass on it. <laughs> it was very wacky. I liked it a lot. I like the new one a lot better, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, at what cost? You you destroyed the road course section of the track, and now they have to just build something else. Um, all right, so the other big one that came out today um, in terms of the schedule is there's a rumor that the Coke 0400 could be moving to the season regular season finale later in the year, so say uh, August or September time. What are everyone's thoughts on that? Initiate shit show. It's not going to go over well with anyone. First off, I hate it. <laughs> um, I think we were, I can't remember if we were talking about this off air or not, but the four races that should not have their date touched at all are the Daytona 500, which is always, a, which should always be on President's Day weekend. The Coca-Cola 600, which should always be a Memorial Day weekend. The Coke Zero 400, which should be on the 4th of July weekend and the Darlington Southern 500 should always be on Labor Day weekend. Besides that, anything is fair game, but it's just and such a cool... Brickyard 400 should always be on my birthday. <laughs> just summer night under the lights is perfect for a Daytona yep. summer night race. Plus, like, NBC, especially because that's when they switch over. I know it's Chicagoland's the first, right now, first race right now, but uh, Daytona, they hype that race up a ton. Oh, yeah. And uh, it just, I don't know. I mean, obviously something would have to take its place that weekend, but I really don't think, I can't think of another track that would do a better job of hosting a 4th of July celebration than Daytona. I completely agree with you. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree too. What are they like suggesting would replace Daytona on 4th of July? I haven't heard anything. It's just that they're thinking about moving it to the regular Michigan. finale. Shut which, up. I <laughs> I like a little bit of the idea of the whole regular season finale thing because I think it does add an element to, you know, like a last chance to make it in and that's the best chance for any drivers out there. Yeah, I guess if you really want parity by having a guy that you know is going to get eliminated before the round of 12, go for it. Exactly. But, you know. but that, that's that's the thing. It's like, okay, cool. They get Congratulations, their- David Reagan. You've made it to the NASCAR chase. Good <laughs> Good like, luck. Now you're in the playoffs. This is where the hard part begins. Here's your bonus. Yeah, it's like you get a special playoff windshield banner for three weeks. And you can you sell more diecasts that are weird-looking yeah, snot green. You get to finish 16th in points, but that's about it. Because let's face it, by the end of that time, the only the only time I can think of since the win-and-you're-in format that someone's got gotten into the playoffs um because of a late season win is Casey Kane and he's done it twice. <laughs> yep. Because he did it in twenty fourteen at Atlanta mm-hmm. and then he did it again at uh Indy. Yeah, there was also Chris Busher in twenty sixteen, but well, that, that was also I mean I guess it was kinda late, but like That was with like four races or five races to go. Was no, it? Okay. It was 
Yeah, but like straight up, like, and I mean, obviously no offense to Chris Buescher, but we all know how he won that race. Like, usually you don't see a guy pure skill and talent. What are we talking about here? <laughs> Fair. Uh, I mean, he he does have that. I will give him that. But that's not how he won that race. <laughs> and I think having like usually the top sixteen drivers are the people that are battling for top scenes each week. You might have a guy like Paul Menard squeaking a top mm-hmm. tender there or Newman, but you don't see him competing for championships. So I feel like mm-hmm. having a, what some might call a crapshoot race as the regular season finale is not the proper way to finish off a regular season. And it usually, like, the Daytona like race, like I feel like every single year it's just a crazy-ass race. Like You get those few like july races that are kind of like eh, whatever it happened but for the most part they're either like a shit show like an incredible show or just something insane happens at the end yeah like, like last if we go back year by year like 2018 was Stenhouse demolition derby which was so much fun to watch from a spectator perspective. oh man eric jones got in the chase yeah and then eric jones won his first chase anyways but yeah, like Eric Jones got his first win. Um, that was super cool to see. The year before that, Stenhouse won, and that was a pretty good race. Yeah, um, that was a, that was a fantastic race. I had a good time. We are the champs. We are. Yep, <laughs> great club. Um, twenty sixteen, Brad dominated. I was at the race, but it was still fun to watch. Yeah, that's one of the ones that was like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's like twenty thirteen. Oh, Jimmy Johnson dominates. Okay. Yeah, but then you get the race like 2014, where Junior he's out there just kind of leading, but the racing behind him was great, and it was constantly a like. Well, is Junior going to hold on? Is he really as dumb as he used to? And then you have that accident at the end that cements that in like the brains of fans. Oh, twenty fourteen. Like, yeah. Oh, did I say twenty fourteen? Yeah, twenty fourteen was Amarillo won in a rain delay. Which is, I, you I, know honestly, what? Honestly, I thought the Junior did sweep the five hundred yeah. in the in the July race in the same year. I well, that's another thing that I just thought of. If you're going to move the Daytona race to the end of the regular season, usually there's no more bye weeks after that. Mm-hmm. So if that race gets rained out, the season finale, because they would, they'd obviously postpone it, that wouldn't mean the season finale would be a Daytona. And don't, don't let NASCAR get any bright ideas yikes. here. Now, the, they don't let them start firing up the weather machine that I know they know where it is. Yeah, like... Not that uh, rain is typically a big issue. Like they, they only had a, a real issue with it once, from what I can remember, in the last mm-hmm. uh, couple of years, where they had to postpone the race date from the Fourth of July weekend date, or just back a day. Um, but who's to say? I mean, it's Florida. A storm could pop up for seventy-two hours and just especially in the summertime. Yeah. So I don't know. I and my final thoughts on this is. I would be disappointed to see that move happen from a traditionalist perspective. I hate saying, because I, I think tradition, people rely too heavy on it. Like, I saw some guy today saying, um, oh, well, Homestead has to host the finale because the finale has always been in the Southeast. And I'm like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, they can move it if as long as it it's in- a good show. Wasn't it in Atlanta for like twenty years? Oh well, that exactly. is southeast. Like, no, 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 that is a southeast. I apologize. Someone okay. like right even though like Atlanta would be a good track to host it at, but it doesn't matter where the race is as long as the track is good. Which especially because Phoenix just read. Uh, how do you say like 
remodeled and everything. So it's a top tier facility now. So they're ready. Look, we're doing anything out west for the finale, Vegas, or I'm just not in. That's just me. I'm in. I'm in for Phoenix over both Vegas and Auto Club. I I like Auto Club as a track, but there's so much going on in sports during the fall. And you have LA. you have Lakers regular season going yeah, on. You have Lakers and Clippers like regular season starting. Hockey is started. Baseball usually one of the teams are there in contention for the World Not Series. Not late November. Um the World Series is over by then. But you well, do have football season. Apparently they're shortening the there. schedule too. That's not happening. Bit. I'm not gonna fucking allow it. Rob Manfred will die before he allows it to happen. <laughs> no, I meant for NASCAR. Sorry, you got me worked up about something else. Sorry. Um but yeah there's just so and especially with the two, Anthony over here. The two uh, NFL teams moving there now. It's just there's a lot going on in that area that time of year, which I don't think would be good for attendance. And I feel like the season finale should be sold out. And Phoenix, the last, I want to say the last three years, the fall race there is sold out. So obviously they can do it. Fair. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. Do we have anything else? Um, I think we're just about wrapped up. All right. I didn't really see anything else on Reddit. Today is the six-year anniversary that uh, Logano... Best race in and... NASCAR history. Thank you. <laughs> sure, why not? It's, I was going to say Club it's 400. the six-year anniversary of Logano getting his ass kicked by Stewart, but... Yeah. Okay. My favorite race that I've ever watched. I'm, I'm so glad that's your favorite race you've ever watched. I'm so <laughs> happy for you. <laughs> um... Yeah, nothing else really going on. I mean, I'm just, you know, hoping I'm I'm gonna keep my uh, you know optimism very low for Texas this week. I'm never really too excited for it anymore. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into our Texas thoughts more during the preview. We will have a second episode this week, so you know. Yeah. Just, but uh, uh, don't don't forget to you know subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on SoundCloud, leave a like, leave a share, tell your friends, tell your fathers, tell your moms, tell everyone, you know. <laughs> Tell, tell your dead relatives. Just, just let them know about the podcast. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. So for everyone yes, thank you. who's made it this far, thanks for listening. I've been Kevin. I've been Nolan. I've been Anthony. Thanks for watching, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Love you guys. <laughs>